for the last four years, you came to this podcast to get your needs met, to be fulfilled, to get a pro wrestling, pop culture, and that oh so naughty feeling tingled inside with a little bit of grass sprinkled on top. Now it's time for your hosts, Chad Allen, Shelly Allen, Zach Romero, and Luna Lynn. You are tuned in to the IndyCast. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the IndieCast. We are doing a Barbara Walter-style 2020 episode uh, interview today. Uh, I'm, of course, one-fourth of your host, Zach Romero. And joining me on this episode is uh, a bucket list guest for me, because uh, his company is one that I've basically been lusting after for the better part of like two years, maybe more. And uh, so I'm thrilled to not only be talking to this man, but also to what we're talking about in regards to the great return of a company very near and dear in my heart. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the IndyCast, Interspecies Wrestling's own, Mike Roch. Mike, thank you so much. Hey, man, I'm, I'm happy to be here. You, you're actually the only podcast I'm doing leading up to this show, so... Excellent. There was so... So many strings had to be pulled. So many hands needed to be greased. It was it was an ordeal, but we we won the bid, and I'm thrilled to have you on the show here on a one-on-one level. Now, Mike, uh, what we typically do here on the IndieCast when we have a guest is we run through uh, what we call a lightning round, which is basically just a few very basic questions that every podcast on Earth would be asking you. Um, basically, the vegetables before we get to dessert. So um, answer these as quickly or as, as uh, drawn out as you'd like. Um, okay. but, uh, question number one, where did you get your original start in wrestling in terms of being a I promoter? Got, I got my original start in wrestling through a company called CPW. It was a company that was basically based, uh, just outside of my hometown of Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Um, before that I was, uh, I was a big time backyard wrestling promoter. Uh, my friends and I, we built a ring in a forest and, we would actually team up with other promotions, not only in the city, but throughout our entire province of Ontario, and we would put on crazy shows in this ring. Uh, that's why I, I say that's where I got my my itch as a promoter. But when I when I first joined this company, CPW, it was to train as a wrestler. And uh, what happened was my friends and I showed up, and uh, we were like, "Hey, we're for the wrestling school," and they're like, "Well, we're not taking new students right now." And uh, so we decided, we asked, like, you know, when are you, when are you going to take new students? Like, you know, like three, four months. So we decided that we would offer them other skills until, you know, we were able to get in the ring, which was, was filming their shows and doing production work. And uh, we basically got in that way. And then when it came, to, when it came time to train, I, uh, I got a major concussion. And um, I, I basically left training and didn't know where I was. Oh, God. And, it got to a point where people were calling my house saying, hey, do you, do you know where Mike is? Do you know where Mike is? Because I had left without, like, my, my winter coat, and it was winter, <laughs> you know. Uh, just, you know, kept my, my boots that I had for the ring. I kept them on and left, just walked out. So I threw up, and I walked out. And uh, so then, you know, a year later, I tried uh, I tried training again, and I was just like, you know what? I, I can't get over the fear of hitting my head. So... I'm like, maybe I have something else to offer wrestling. And I, I, uh, 
sat under the learning tree of uh, a great man named Gino Brito, who used to, uh, he was not only like uh, like a big time wrestler in Canada, but he's, he's he's pretty famous in like in like the like the olden days of wrestling because like he's he's wrestled guys like Tatsumi Fujinami and Ric Flair and et cetera et cetera, and he was you know like a WWF tag team champion. And, That's quite but, the learning tree to be sitting under. He was the figurehead uh, owner of this promotion. Like he was just a figurehead. He wasn't the, really the, the owner. But I said I, I I learned from him and like joke around with him. I taught him what the shocker was, and you know, <laughs> just real filthy shit to be teaching some old man. Uh, I remember one time he walked up to me and he's like, "Did you see?" Uh, and he named like a particular uh, uh, French female wrestler backstage was pretty famous i'm not gonna name her but people could probably figure it out um and uh i'm like yeah he goes you should go back there and do push-ups on her like he was a real pervert <laughs> so, well, that was the connecting that's, factor that's, was let's just tell dirty jokes that's it dirty jokes and i learned about booking and promoting and and uh loving life and there was also a guy named joel there who taught me a lot and i just sat under that learning tree and then Eventually, they allowed me to co-book a show, and that was it. Now, second lightning round question, stepping away from promotion and back to you as sort of, as you mentioned, uh, even being interested in, like, backyard wrestling and things like that, what is your earliest wrestling memory? My earliest wrestling memory was when I was a little kid. I didn't really like wrestling. I, uh, I thought that once 12 o'clock noon hit on Saturday mornings and it turned into... Uh, my, my, my TV switched to, like, Maple Leaf Wrestling or whatever, which was what WWE's Canadian program was called. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, basically they would do TV tapings in Toronto and, or the Toronto area, and it would be called Maple Leaf Wrestling. We got a lot of Jack Tunney and shit like that. But, um, so yeah, my TV would switch to that because that's what my dad would watch. And, you know, that meant the end of my cartoons, and that really pissed me off. <laughs> So I can I see that uh, I can see that uh, turning a, a kid away from wrestling at an early age. So I, I hated wrestling as a kid, and then one year for Christmas, my uncle, my dad's brother, actually got me uh, two L, like a set of LGN figures, and it was the British Bull. Oh wow! And after that, I was just like, okay, well, these are my wrestling toys. I want to see what they look like on TV for real. So. I started watching wrestling, and I'd be like, hey, Mike, your toys are on TV. I'd be like, oh, shit. You know, not really, oh, shit, but, you know, oh, snap. Run over to the TV to watch Davy Boy Smith and the, the the Dynamite Kid, which is crazy to think that, like, you know, as a little kid, those were my favorite wrestlers. You know, Dynamite Kid is still my favorite wrestler to this day. Wow. And, and so, that's, so that's sort of where you got the initial bug, was toys leading to shows leading to now I'm interested Basically, toys coming to life. Yeah, this was my toy, this was my this was my Toy Story. That's an excellent way to put it. Uh, next question: um, Jumping over to interspecies wrestling, which is sort of the uh, topic at hand for this particular interview. Uh, what it's would you baby. What would you say is the biggest influence slash inspiration to interspecies wrestling? Oh God. Um. I can tell you right now that there is a conversation that based off of something that me and some friends watched on TV that started interspecies wrestling and it's really a dumb conversation too. Good, good. Like, uh, 
We'd watched the original An Evening with Kevin Smith. Uh-huh. And at one point, Kevin's talking about how he was involved in the making of this uh, Death of Superman movie that was supposed to come out. That's right. And uh, it was produced by the same guy who did Wild Wild West. Yes. Who really wanted a giant mechanical spider to fight Superman. So, uh, later on, you know, I go on, like, MSN Messenger, because Canadians use MSN Messenger. You guys use AIM. That's true. So you guys you know, I only got into AIM when I got involved in the wrestling world, and I had to talk to people from America and stuff like that. But, uh, basically, I, uh, I went on there, and, uh, my friend Pat, he's like, I really want to wrestle, uh, a mechanical spider. And I was like, yeah, that'd be awesome. And he goes, yeah. And I was like, that'd be five stars on eight legs. And he goes, oh, shit, that's so funny. And I was just like, like, to this day, it's not that funny. Like, I, I kind of, telling the story is really lame. <laughs> but, but that's what started ISW, because then after that, we made a, we made this fantasy card of all these matches that were like, you know, like, let's do Beef Wellington versus a goat in a ladder match. But it's an actual goat, and the joke is that the goat can't climb the ladder. You know? Let's do, uh... Let's do a match called Scrambled Egg Match, in which it's a four-team scramble match, uh, elimination format, but the, the, the deal is each team has a carton of eggs uh, taped to their corner, and the first person to, like, if, if your eggs get smashed, your team's eliminated. <laughs> and of course, the heel team wins because they reveal that their eggs are boiled. Ah, genius. Yeah. So, like, shit like that, and it was just like, you know, people probably actually pay to see this stuff. So then ISW just became this big, fake joke. Like, this this promotion that was never going to happen. And uh, it was just a big joke between me and my friends. And then, eventually, this girl, Valerie, and I decided, you know, we're going to make this happen. And we did. So, uh, next question. I was going to say, um, I, I was going to say, I did a little bit of research in terms of um, the history of ISW, but a couple more lightning round questions real quick. Uh, number one, obviously, I, I feel like this is not even a question these days, but um, are you more of a Marvel or a DC guy? Um, you know, I don't read very many comic books these days. I kind of just tend to read The Walking Dead, and that's about it. Fair enough. But as far as... I'll, I'll go by movies. I'll say DC animation is superior... Marvel movies are superior. Now, that's I've I've heard other people um, with that same philosophy, and I and I will admit I, I share that philosophy. Um, what do you think is Marvel's biggest issue with the animation? Is it the fact that they try to do like they're not just picking a graphic novel and running with it, which is basically what DC animation has done? Is they go, hey, everybody liked the New Frontier, so now that's a cartoon version, or everybody liked you know. Uh, the Killing Joke, so now it's a cartoon version, and Marvel's going, oh, here's an interesting Thor story, and it's not really based necessarily on one thing. Is it, Do you think that's the problem? Well, with, with, with DC, what makes it them superior to Marvel is the animation styles are just a lot better. True. You know, a lot of times they go, they kind of go with like an almost like pseudo-anime style, and it just kind of suits it, and let's, you know, let's also mention the fact that they get really good voice actors. Also true. Like, I mean, even in their video games, guys like Troy Baker and stuff like that, like, they just, they kill it when it comes to the uh, the voice actors. Marvel, 
Um, I just find their their animated stuff way too cartoony. I mean, they tried to do edgier stuff with like their like Blade anime and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Or no, yeah, Blade anime. I was gonna say manga, but then manga is the printed stuff. Right? Yeah, okay, yeah. But you know, I'm. I, that's it. I just I just like DC's animated movies a lot more. Fair enough. Now this next question does tie in. Uh, recently, you did a Twitch stream uh, of basically the the card for the upcoming Interspecies Wrestling Show, um, basically replicated through uh, Fire Pro Wrestling. So I have to ask, what in your opinion is the greatest gaming console in the history of video games? Oh man, the greatest gaming console. Um, right now, like I, I play the shit out of both my PS4 and my Xbox One, and only recently I've gotten into PC gaming as well. But. Uh, if we're talking about the GOAT, uh, I'm going with the Dreamcast. Really? Yes, I'm very much a Dreamcast nut. Well, I mean, it did have the greatest port of Marvel vs. Capcom 2, I mean. Yes. And Crazy Taxi. Marvel vs. Capcom 2, games like Cannon Spike by Capcom, and, uh, like, so many, so many games. There were so many games for that system, and most people didn't even realize it until after it was long gone. Yeah, and, and... You know, there's kind of looking in retrospect now. It seems like it it made a lot of the right moves. It was just too early that people yeah, weren't really exactly. ready for it. You know, it was what less than a less than a year, I think, after it came out. That was when the PS the PlayStation dropped, and yeah. so and then N sixty four was right after that. It was just it was ahead of the curve, and it didn't pay off. Well, I, I remember owning a Dreamcast, and at the same time, my parents had bought me a PS two for Christmas, like right around the time it came out. And I didn't even open the thing. I wow. put it in the box for like almost a year. Like it took Player Uno to come to my house and be like, "Hey, let's open this thing," because he was like, "Hey, I have the new WWE, I have the new WWF game or whatever." He's like, "Let's play it." He's like, "But well, you have to open up your, you have to open up your, uh, your um, your PS2." Yeah. So I opened it up and we played, and it was fun, and I liked it. But I never liked anything as much as I liked my Dreamcast. I had a Dreamcast. Uh, recently, one of our wrestlers, Glad Bad, sold me a Dreamcast for $20. $20 with two controllers, two VMUs, and a pile of games. And I was just like, oh man. Like, the joke's on him! Oh no, it was one of those, it was one of those, um, hey, the significant other wants me to get rid of a bit of, of, of a ton of junk. <laughs> I'm gonna sell this to you for cheap because I know that you're gonna love it. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a good dude. So... Um, I, eventually the battery died, so like it kept annoying me every time I turned it on. It would it would prompt me to reset the time, so I, I eventually just gave it to my cousin. So, <laughs> but I I will own another Dreamcast for damn sure. It's my all time favorite system, and I guarantee that eventually somebody's gonna make a Dreamcast Mini. I don't I don't know if it's gonna be a bootleg. I don't know if it's gonna be uh, Sega produced somehow. But there will be a Dreamcast Mini out there. I believe that. I think we're coming close to that time of nostalgia is going to pick it up, and then suddenly everyone's going to say, "Oh my God, that system was so great!" Yeah, well, where were you at the time? Why didn't you buy it at the there time? Are people, there are people out there developing on their own, like handheld Nintendo sixty fours. Very true. 
So, I yeah, mean, yeah. I handheld Super Nintendo. Like, it's one of the coolest things I've, I've ever owned in my life, too. But having a Dreamcast, like, having access to Dreamcast games in the palm of my hand would be the coolest thing ever. Yeah, because not every single Dreamcast game got ported to other systems, so there's definitely some lost classics out there. Exactly. Games, like I mentioned, Cannon Spike, which is a, uh, it's, it's like a Capcom, uh, like, shoot 'em up so much fun. Like, it's, it's a game that's underrated, mainly because nobody knows what the hell it is. <laughs> it's, it's the literal definition of underrated. Now, yeah. now Mike, um, obviously the point that we brought you on here, other than the fact that I'm just going to gush over your company, is um, coming back from a two-year hiatus, Interspecies Wrestling is coming and putting on a fir- its first show, as I said, in two years, May the 19th. Now, I, as I said, I did do some research. Originally... Uh, I saw that the first interspecies show was One Hit Wonder, August of 2005. Yeah. So we're talking about quite a legacy here. And if you go, it's anybody listening, if you go and you know look up online and kind of find the wiki for it, you'll see that little by little the company grew every year. Every year you would do, you know, the first year was just, uh, I think it was two shows. Um, Wait, do we, do we have a wiki? Yeah, that's where I got all this information from. That's fucked up, because every time I've tried to start a wiki page on ISW, they would send me an email saying that it wasn't a, it wasn't a real thing. Yeah, no, there's definitely a wrestling wiki, and like I said, it listed every, oh, okay. listed every show that you guys put on, and, uh, and like I said, you could see the progress every year when you put on a, a bigger show, a bigger show. Um, yeah. Now, I do recall that, was it a year ago that you almost had... Another show come up, and then at the last second, the venue pulled out. And yeah, that was that was heartbreaking. But at the, at the same time, it was like I don't feel as though we were ready for it. Okay. Like, um, I was going through a divorce, and that's never fun. And, and what made it less fun is the fact that like she was kind of brutal, and like uh, a lot of my games. Um, she had designed some t-shirts for ISW and, like, wanted money for them. And it was just, like, I don't have money for them, basically. They sold two years ago when right. we were together. Like, it was, it, was, it was brutal. I had to, like, take down t-shirt designs. And uh, um, we were supposed to leave this as friends, and we didn't. But anyway, whatever. I have a new wife now. She's fucking awesome. Um, but, yeah, uh, I was going through that, and, like, I, I couldn't get my head into it, and, like, one of my partners, actually both of my partners in the U.S., were both going through, um, well, I guess what could be described as, like, medical issues, um, so I was just like, you know, we're not ready for this, and then suddenly, suddenly the fucking venue, uh, okay, basically the backstory on this venue is, our venue, um, they decided to close down. They didn't want to keep the place open anymore. They couldn't afford it. So they sold it to these this Mexican church. It's now a Mexican church, which is hilarious considering the debauchery that went down in that building. And I'm not even just talking about the wrestling. There was so much more. Uh, <laughs> they, they, they must have cleansed the walls of that place with the holiest of waters because, holy fuck. No, I'm not even just talking about us. This place was a punk rock music venue. So a lot of shit went down there. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean... Yeah, I'm not even going to get into it. Um, so they got sold, and then there was a, another club across the street 
who were a, a bigger club. And they contacted us, and they offered to host us now that the, the Heirloom Arts Theater was closing. But we knew that the owner had been in some... some some no, not he wasn't the owner. He was like the uh, event coordinator. We knew that he had been in some trouble. He had uh, run Ponzi schemes and fucked people over when he was like a seventeen-year-old kid. Ooh, yeah, and he had gotten away with it somehow. And then, not not gone away with it, but he got out on bail and he was like, uh, I don't know, basically free. So he's running this club again, and uh, I guess that while. We were planning our show there, and everything was getting planned. He started running these schemes again, and uh, part of his parole or whatever, and his bail was that he wasn't allowed to leave the state to, to do anything. Like he wasn't allowed to leave the state at all, and he was going to New York to gamble. Hmm. Like he was stealing people's money and then going to New York to gamble it away. And uh, eventually, he got arrested. And upon him getting arrested. Uh, the people who own the club were like, yeah, we'll still honor the deal. Like, we'll still host you guys. I was like, okay, cool. But then, this kid's father, uh, one of those dads that just, you know, I, I, don't, I don't understand what the fuck this man was going for, but he, I guess in a way to, to like, like uh, defend his son somehow, he, he broke into the venue that his son had built, basically, and tore out the sprinkler system. What in the hell? Yeah, he tore up the sprinkler system, so they couldn't possibly run, and they couldn't possibly, you know, promote anything, because if there was a fire, everybody would be fucked. So that venue shut down indefinitely, and we had been left without a home in Danbury, and, you know, we decided, you know what, let's just let's just take our time and, and, and get over our stuff, you know, like, like, uh, like, in the meantime, like, you know, I got my divorce, everything's good, um... I've since remarried. It's awesome. Uh, like, like uh, everything's good with the two Matthews, who are my partners. They're both named Matthew. Um, everything's good in their lives, and and uh, yeah, like, but we're just, we just haven't done anything in the U.S. since. Well, I realize now that you know I kind of jumped the gun a little bit here because obviously I'm a fan of interspecies wrestling. Uh, B Movie TV, which runs Fully Gimmick Fight Club is a fan of Interspecies Wrestling, because we've yes. showcased some of your shows there, uh, or matches, it's rather. little program you put together there. Yes. Um, this is all, just all a monopoly of just me pushing for interspecies into homes all over uh, the world. Uh, but nevertheless, I realize I'm jumping ahead because there may be listeners who aren't familiar with uh, Interspecies Wrestling. So let's take a minute to sort of go back and... and I guess explain what exactly is interspecies wrestling. We have the secret origin, which is, hey, you know, what if a yeah. giant mechanical spider wrestled a guy? But now let's yeah. get to the actual, like, reality, the nuts and bolts of it. So I would say interspecies wrestling was sort of the punk rock wrestling company that didn't necessarily take itself too seriously, but was definitely ahead of the game. Almost, I would say, the Sega Dreamcast of independent wrestling. You guys were... I Ahead of a lot of trends now? I I will take that title. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say, I think I just named your next show. But, uh, no, I think I think Interspecies really is the Dreamcast because, you know, you have a dedicated fan base. You've got people who completely get what's going on and they love the product. Yeah. But then also, you're kind of under the radar a little bit. So, explain to maybe somebody who doesn't know what Interspecies Wrestling is kind of what's the draw or what makes it different or, you know, what's the, what's the mission statement, I guess. 
I've always described interspecies wrestling as a neutral battleground in which man, animal, alien, zombie, monster, Italian people, whatever, come and 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 and, and fight. And uh, they're they're just fighting for interspecies supremacy. Uh, we definitely don't take shit too seriously. Um, there's a lot of comedy. There's some dance routines. There's uh, you name it. We've done shit. We've done the silliest shit. Um, I've heard us described as also as wrestling for people who don't like wrestling. Okay, that's not a bad so, title to have. I mean, if we used to run. We've run mostly punk rock clubs, and like we ran like both the most notorious one in Montreal is basically Fafoon Electric, which means the electric ass, by the way, uh, electric butt cheeks, <laughs> and uh, it's basically Canada's um, CBGB. And we ran that thing for, like, three years, and most of our crowd was just these, like, hot pinup chicks, and it's like, there's no way these girls like wrestling, you know? So, it was pretty cool. So, with that being said, you know, there has been, you guys have put together rosters, and you've put together characters and things like that, that have even spun out into like, even bigger, better things. Like, you guys had Chris Dickinson. You guys have had Team Tremendous and, you know, um, Aaron Epic, who's huge down here in Florida, and Pinky Sanchez and and Jaka and uh, countless other characters who came to your company first that you guys gave a spotlight to first and now are these bigger characters now are now well more well-known um, in the indies you can trace a lot of these people back to interspecies first. And as I said before, you guys, you know, you look at companies like Kaiju Big Battle and you, you know, and there's a bunch of other companies out there now, uh, Hood Slam and, and um, Freak Show Wrestling. There's a lot of companies now that sort of are spiritual successors to interspecies in terms of they're going to be harder edged and it's uh, a rowdier crowd and there's a weird balance between this macabre sort of comedy elements, but also ridiculously skilled wrestlers. And we are open to working with all of them. We've, we're, we've actually worked with Hood Slam in the past. Uh, we've had Chris Dickinson defend the uh, Undisputed King of Crazy there against Christina Vonieri, as well as uh, um, Dan and Bill, Team Tremendous. They went out there and defended the ISW Tag Team titles and actually lost them to the, uh, the Stoner Brothers from Hood Slam, only to win them back the next day. So uh, that's a title change that not too many people actually know about. That's but amazing. Yeah, we, love, we love Hood Slam. Hood Slam, we, we basically have almost the same roots because like they came from some of the wrestlers who were in Incredibly Strange Wrestling formed Hood Slam. Okay. So, like, uh, like, we talk and like, we always talk about like possibly having some of those guys out here. Well, I was going to say, don't get me wrong, that would literally be a dream crossover show if you guys could ever join forces. Um, but yeah, so, so you know, you guys worked the Warp Tour at one point. Um, you know, you guys have are really genuinely punk rock in terms of a wrestling company. It's not a matter of just like, hey, it's like a t-shirt design. You guys really lived it. And so now you're kind of doing, not to be Walt Disney about it, but you're kind of doing the impossible here. Not many wrestling companies come back from taking a break. It's sort of like uh, 
those relationships that you saw in high school were like, oh, they're on a break. Yeah, no, John and Sally are never getting back together, by the way. No, that break means she's banging someone else for sure. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So not many companies can ever say, oh, yeah, we took a break and we came back. Um, Interspecies is trying to do just that. And so there's been a lot of, uh, you know, kind of buzz about it. And I feel like if done right, this could be not only just the, hey, Interspecies is back. This has the potential to be sort of a reboot and rediscovery for a lot of people because now we're in the era of is it in gift form can i look at it on on social media is it going to go viral things like that if you go back and watch old interspecies shows they are all things that would have absolutely gone viral these days because you guys were larger than life i mean one of the most the two two of the most positive reviews i've ever gotten for fully gimmick fight club was a Dickinson death match for the King of Crazy against Matt Tremont, and uh, the food fight, the final, um, the 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 final battle between Team Tremendous, or tre- I should say, Tremendous Investigations, and the Food Fighters. Those okay. those are two of the absolute bar none favorites from Fully Gimmick Fight Club on B Movie TV on Roku, and there's a reason for that. Those are things that people do not see all the time. So, th- well, good, good. I'm glad. So those are things that should be going viral, but unfortunately they're however many years old. So this May 19th show has the opportunity to be that, to be a sort of rebirth for interspecies. However, I know from what I've seen on social media and things like that, that this has not been an easy transition. This hasn't been like, hey, we're having a show on the 19th, be there. There has been changes to the card. There's been injuries. There's been... Uh, new commissioners assigned. Basically, you've run the gamut of like every wrestling company's ups and downs in their entire lineage into the span of one show. This has yes. been a roller coaster being building up to this point. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the hardships and and what's kind of keeping you going into this? Like, this is a project that has not come easy, and yet it still persists, and we're going to have it at the end of this week. I'll say this: the show itself is what's keeping me going. Um... The one problem with not running shows for a few years was that I had no creative outlet, and I gotta believe that's that's been some of the source of like I've battled depression over the last few years, mm-hmm. and I gotta believe that not having my social outlet, I'm well, not my social outlet, my social and creative outlet really, uh, has kind of not really helped that along. You know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. probably one of the causes, and. Um, what's keeping me going with this show is just the show itself. I really want it to happen. I've, I've, the, from the second that Eric Ravenel, the guy who runs the uh, K Town Collectibles Expo, asked us to put on a show for, you know, this town, I, at first, I didn't even want to call it ISW. I just wanted to book like a spot show. And then I realized, I'm like, you know what? I could have like a complete, like, refresh here and I could take some new guys and I can rebuild the tag division that only had three teams I could you know do all that stuff and I have been doing it and you know guys have been pulled I mean Dickinson has to go work Evolve this weekend which is fine I mean they did just get him a match on access at Wrestlemania weekend so I'm not gonna be like hey fuck Evolve you know what I mean right like that's so awesome for him and it's also awesome for us because we get to say hey look that's our champion right you know um 
at the same time, like, like guys have been injured, guys have gotten injured, guys have just pulled out for no reason. Uh, and this card has undergone a whole crap load of changes, but I still stand by it. I mean, it's still a solid night of wrestling from top to bottom. Um, in some ways, it's even better than the original card. And that's not like, that's not like me insulting, you know, any of the guys who pulled off because I love them all, but, you know, sometimes different is good. Mm -hmm. And we have a bunch of new guys debuting and we've got, uh, like, we got the classics and we got like Uno coming back. Uno hasn't been around for a very long time because of his, uh, border troubles. Um. That's well, what's keeping me in this. You know, like, that's what's keeping me in this. Just the fact that it's... I, I'm very confident that this is going to be a great show. And and like I said, you, you put it perfectly. Even the changes that you've had to make, I feel, are all basically net positives. They're all like, hey, this is great. This isn't just, oh, hey, we grabbed some random guy and here we go. It, the, you're getting debuts. You're getting classics. It's a good mix. Now, let me ask you this. You know, you, like, nobody's asked for a refund. And I was going to say, I don't know if you can find a, a more concrete way of judgment than that. You know, if you yeah. make a change and people go, nah, I'm not interested, i got to get out of this, then that's a problem. But if everyone goes, yeah. no, I trust with this, I'm, I'm drinking this Kool-Aid, then that's amazing. So, you know, basically you've been the connecting factor to every interspecies show that's ever happened. So I want to ask you, you know, going all the way back to 2005, One Hit Wonder, to now... What is one thing that this show is doing that old interspecies would have never done? And then what's one thing that this show is not doing that interspecies of old would have absolutely done? Um, one thing we're doing this time is we are mixing it up a little... Um, the convention that we're running at is all ages, and we've done all ages shows in the past. In mm -hmm. fact, all of our shows, all of our shows have been all ages. We just say that you know we're not family friendly; we're family guy friendly. Like <laughs> that's good. If you, let your kids, if you let your kids watch Family Guy, and they can you know deal with those jokes and shit like that, they can handle ISW. You know, you know what I mean. Like we're not going that far. Um, you know, there's sex and violence and drugs and whatnot on Family Guy, like. If you're nine year old watching that shit, you can watch Eyes Up. So anyway, um, but this show being a toy convention in a in a small town, actually on a native reservation, um, there's going to be a ton of children here, and we are going to tone it back a little bit. Sexy Eddie's not going to come to the ring and and be announced as having five pounds of cock meat. You know what I mean? Um, we're going to say fuck a hell of a lot less. Like, the amount of fucks that we say is going to be based on the fact that we're going to look in that crowd, and I'm going to do a head count. And if there's, like, 50 children in the front row, I'm going to be like, okay, guys, no fucks. You know? Uh, shit like that. That's the only thing we're going to change. Like, we changed the name of the dumb fucks to Los Dummies for this one show. Right. Um, that's the one thing. That's what we're doing for this show. We're making it more... More accessible, a, would you say? product. We're making it a friendlier product. Um, but the things that we're not doing this show is basically saying fuck. <laughs> you know? We're not going to try and force funny. We're not going to try and, you know, try too hard to get jokes over. 
we're just going to go out there and we're going to do our thing and we're going to try and impress this crowd so that maybe, you know, in two months we can do another one. Now, let me ask you this. So, as I said at the start of the interview, you know, there's been, to a certain degree, there's certainly a who's who of independent wrestling that have all either participated in an interspecies show or, or kind of got a start there or, you know, what have you. Of all the wrestlers who have ever worked in interspecies wrestling, and I'm asking for some, like, deep, deep thoughts here, who is one person that you would have wished for all the money in the world you could have had them be at the show? If there was, like, one wrestler, and maybe they're not even wrestling anymore, if there was one person that you wish could have been in the show who has been an interspecies before, who would it be? Um, damn. Uh, my answer to that will always be uh, Stinky the Homeless Guy. Because, I mean, he it was taken away from us, cancer. Uh, and, like, man, I had so many plans for that guy. Like, he was, he was one of my best friends and like you know I miss I miss the shit of that guy and like I had so many plans for him in ISW like he would have had like the greatest ISW title run and like the greatest feud like I had this if you've ever seen him wrestle he was a big burly guy and like he was he was entertaining as fuck and he had this like the most charming smile and he would walk around the ring with a hat and people would put money in his hat and it was a great gimmick and he was eventually, one of my plans was he was going to feud with Kevin Steen, and they were just going to brawl all over, like, fucking Montreal, and it was going to be the greatest thing ever, but it never got to happen because he was diagnosed with cancer and ended up being taken away from us literally three and a half months after he was diagnosed. So, he's always my answer for that. Uh, close second, obviously, would be Kevin. I'd love to have Kevin back. Well, who knows? You know, the, we, we're seeing WWE kind of dip their toes into indie wrestling a little bit more, so who knows, someday... I don't think they're going to dip anything in us. Oh, you never know! <laughs> That's another tagline for a future interspecies show. Please dip something in us. Um, yes. So, uh, let me ask you this, Mike. One of the questions that we have to ask here is uh, the Trevor Adam Tomorrow question, which is, now, you've done some traveling, obviously... You come from Canada, um, you know, I'm sure you've done quite a bit of traveling for wrestling. Um, so I'm curious, are you familiar with uh, either Wawa or Sheets as a uh, kind uh, of stopping eating place? Oh, I love both. Oh, wow. Yeah, I love both, like, equally. Honestly, I if I lived in Pennsylvania or New Jersey, maybe I'd, I'd have a dog in this fight, but honestly, I think they're both incredible. Um, like, Sheets, I find, has a much bigger selection. But Wawa, like, their fresh selection, like, the stuff that they have, like, out on the rack already, the wraps, the wraps are fucking incredible. I love the wraps. You know what? I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead, and I'm going to choose Wawa. Amazing. Okay. I'm going to do it. Because that buffalo chicken wrap is incredible. Agreed. 100% agreed. And uh, they're, dro- oh, what are they doing now? They just dropped sourdough sandwiches. They're doing that now. Um... And there's something else they're doing, too. Oh, they're doing, like, fresh salads, which are, like, served in a punch bowl. I was like, Jesus Christ, it's a lot of food. So, uh, so Wawa is the greatest. 
Chad, you can suck it. If you're, I know you're listening to this, and you can suck it, my co-host. Um, now, Mike, there are a couple. I do, I do have a couple other questions that I have to run through, and I feel like you've almost answered one of them already. Um, on, you know, uh, unfortunately, in in the beautiful performance art of professional wrestling, we do lose talent early, and so I'm curious if there was any um, wrestler or manager um, that you would have loved to, who's no longer with us, that you would have loved to have worked with or, or booked or something along those lines, what ghost would you want to have worked with and why? And I feel like you kind I, of answered it already, but... Well, you know, like, I, I could say Frank again, but I did get to work with Frank a lot, and I was, I was blessed in that department. But there's one guy who we tried to work with more than once, and unfortunately his, his, uh, his demons got the better of him, and that was Larry Sweeney. And, uh, wow. It would have been awesome to have him on uh, more shows. He was he was a natural, and he was literally like the best at what he did. Whether it was cutting a promo or even like just strutting, he was incredible. I say it's been a while since we've gotten Larry Sweeney as an answer. I love Larry Sweeney, man. <laughs> uh, when he died, it was it was it was pretty sad. Like he actually, I believe he died the same month as uh, as Frank did. Stinky. Mm. So we lost two great talents within, you know, span of like a month. I was gonna say within thirty days. Yeah. So question number two has some context uh, and some exposition. Uh, we here at the IndieCast believe that every animal in nature is give. Oh, this is gonna. Be- I I just realized who I'm talking to. This is fucking all. Okay. So every animal in nature is given certain uh, evolutionary traits. To ensure its survival. Giraffes have long necks, rhinos, big horns, etc., etc. Our belief on this show is that human beings, as an animal, their evolutionary trait is their ability to use tools. So, with that being said, Mike Roch, from Interspecies Wrestling, if you could fight any animal, what would it be, and what weapon do you use? Oh, wow. Um... I would fight an orangutan, and my weapon of choice would be a modified shotgun, uh, which would have a hatchet blade on the stock. Oh, nice. So, that's like my zombie, that's my dream zombie weapon, like, zombie apocalypse weapon. If I'm fucking getting mowed down if I'm getting if I'm getting surrounded you know I'm gonna shoot you and if I can't shoot you I'm gonna start swinging that's pretty but, genius actually yeah that's my weapon and that orangutan would go down and I'd cut off his butt cheeks <laughs> and make a trophy out of it yeah I just hang a big red ass on my wall <laughs> oh no that's a baboon isn't it <laughs> yes you're thinking of a baboon although yeah. orangutans are orange kind of colored so I'm sure they have a red ass so with that said uh, let's get the uh, plugs in the way here uh, as officially sanctioned by Brian Cage uh, Mike this is officially the time where you can get your shit in how do people uh, learn about interspecies wrestling how do they follow along is there any way they can watch it if they're outside of Canada on the 19th um, how can people get eyeballs on this thing Honestly, man, just look us up on YouTube. We got a lot of content up there. We were one of the we were one of the, the indie promotions that put up free matches before you know a lot of others did. And uh, 
we would do it every Monday. We called it Free Match Monday. Those matches are still online. So just go to uh, youtube.com slash interspecies, one word, and uh, you can look up that stuff. You can also follow us on Twitter at ISDUB, I-S-D-U-B. Um, we tweet pretty often, you know, we get involved in, like, Kanye West spats and stuff like that. Good, good. Uh, you know, we, we, like, even, like, with the, the two-year, uh, the two-year layoff, we still, you know, we, we plugged products we liked and, um, hyped, uh, the Benefit show here in Canada, Fighting Back Wrestling with Cancer, which, uh, people should definitely look into as well. It's an annual event in which... Uh, ISW teams up with C4 Wrestling and Acclaim Pro Wrestling, and we raise thousands upon thousands of dollars for the Canadian Cancer Society in the name of Sticky the Homeless Guy. And, uh, yeah, we, we used it to plug that and whatnot. But, you know, now we're back, so we're plugging more about ISW. And uh, you can go there. And we're also Interspecies Wrestling on the Facebook. Our website hasn't been updated since, you know, since that incident with the club, so it still has the advertisements for the last show on there. Okay, good. So skip that for now. Skip the fuck out of that. Um, uh, DVDs and uh, VODs and MP4s or whatever still available at smartmarkvideo.com. And as for this show, um, we tried to arrange for it to be uh, broadcast live via my friends at powerbomb.tv, and it's not possible, but I'll say that I am thinking that we will be giving them the show once it's done being edited. Perfect. Perfect. Okay, good. Excellent. Yeah, or I'm going to stream it on Twitch. Either way. Either way, I'm happy. So, yeah. um, so Mike, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks to everyone for listening here. Um, again, this is a, a company that is very near and dear to my heart and that I'm hoping, again, dream booking, that there will be a Punk Pro uh, interspecies wrestling crossover at some point. It and might have to happen in Canada, though. It has to happen in Canada? Yeah, because that, your border is not nice to Canadian wrestlers. Our border is not nice to us, man. America sucks right that, now. I don't know if you know that. It is so true. It is so true. I had a friend who got stopped at your border, an American, going back to the United States, got stopped at the border because he had nail polish on. And they asked him, who pays your nails? And uh, he pointed to, okay, what, what happened was they asked, they saw a teddy bear in the car. And they're like, who's the teddy bear for? He goes, my girlfriend. Where's your girlfriend? At home. Okay. Who painted your nails? And he pointed to the other girl in the car who was with them when they drove up here. And uh, he goes, oh, that's not your girlfriend, though. And she goes, he goes, no, it's not. He goes, all right, pull over, because he thought he was, like, having other girls paint his nails behind his girlfriend's back. What the fuck? Uh, you know, the, the morality uh, police. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. It makes no <laughs> sense. All right. Well, we'll we'll either we'll either fly everyone up to Canada or we'll do some kind of like WrestleMania two thing where we'll have a, a match here in Florida, and then on closed circuit television there'll be a match in Canada, and then we'll come back to Florida. We'll just sort of bounce back and that forth. Would be, that would be cool as fuck to do like a simulcast. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. We'll figure it out. It's fucking twenty. It's the year of our Lord twenty eighteen. The technology's there. We'll figure it out. We should set that up with another promotion. Like, get another promotion involved. And oh, do all three? Waiting. That'd be so cool. But, but like, each promotion sends a guy to the other promotion as well. Oh, okay, I like that. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, this is definitely becoming a thing. Well, anyways, uh, this is Booking Conversation 101 with the IndieCast and Interspecies Wrestling. This is how ideas work. This is how uh, 
cards get put together. This is how giant yeah, spiders right. fight wrestlers. So uh, for everybody listening at home, thank you so much. Again, support Interspecies Wrestling, uh, all of our dozens and dozens. And for everybody here who's not hosting with me, for Mike Roch, I'm Zach Romero. Until next time, everybody, thank you and good night.